Welcome to God's Acre On The Go, a worship podcast of the Congregational Church of New Canaan in New Canaan, Connecticut. To learn about the life of our church, our in-person ministries, and the virtual connections and offerings available, please visit us at www.godsacre.org. Now, wherever you are, wherever you are going, we welcome you to worship. Church family, good morning. This is the day the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome to God's Acre on the Go, wherever you happen to be, wherever you're traveling, whatever you're doing. We're so grateful to have you tune in, and now we want you to prepare your hearts and your minds for worship as we listen together to the anthem. Death fell before you, and 
Hello, friends. Our scripture today is Luke 18, 1 through 8. Then Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray always and not to lose heart. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor had respect for people. In that city there was a widow who kept coming to him and saying, Grant me justice against my accuser. For a while he refused, but later he said to himself, Though I have no fear of God and no respect for anyone, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice so that she may not wear me out by continually coming. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long in helping them? I tell you, he will come quickly and grant justice to them. And yet, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Just before our reading today in chapter 17, Jesus has been hinting at his death. He and his disciples are on the way to Jerusalem, and as they get closer, he seems to think they need a bit of shoring up to face the hardships inevitably to come. He does not want them to lose heart. In telling them a court story, is he anticipating and preparing them for his own court appearance where he is sentenced to death, which is just a few weeks down the road? Coincidentally, I was reading a book on women's voices in antiquity, obviously a short book, and I came across a court story from a Roman anthologist who would have been contemporary with Jesus. He writes, A woman, Aphrania, used to initiate legal cases herself in the courts and was impudent enough to plead them in person so that everyone became tired out with her barking or yapping. Being the first century, there was no negative characterization of the undoubtedly male judge's vocalization. We can never know if he was snarling or growling. So was this a real court case whose story traveled around the Mediterranean that Jesus turned into a parable. Whether or not that is the case, Jesus' point 
is that if justice can happen in this worldly and self-serving circumstance, imagine what can happen with God involved. Anything is possible. Pray, stay in communication with God, and don't lose heart. God's justice will prevail in the end. The disciples would have had a good notion of God's standard of justice. One of the most important stories of the Hebrew people whose faith Jesus' disciples inherited is that of the Israelites' exile in Babylon. They understood the exile to have been God's judgment against them for not carrying out God's just desires, particularly care for the poor and disenfranchised. Yet the punishment is not the end of the story. After they have served their sentence in Babylon, God calls to the Israelites and leads them home, saying, Sing for joy, O heavens, and exult, O earth. Break forth, O mountains, into singing. For the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on his suffering ones. God's superior justice ends not with judgment, but with forgiveness, mercy, redemption, reconciliation, restoration. I recently heard a story of a modern-day court case that sounds to me a lot like God's justice. Race Buyan was a Bangladeshi immigrant at an inopportune moment in our country's history just before 9-11-2001. Things started out fine for race in New York, and then after two years, race was excited to follow a friend to Dallas, having grown up watching cowboy movies and dreaming about America. He started working at a gas station in a tough part of town that proved to be as dangerous as the Wild West on the silver screen. While he enjoyed getting to know American Southwestern culture and meeting real-life Texans, it was not long before race was held up for the cash on hand, adding himself to the statistic that being a gas station attendant is one of the most high-risk jobs in the United States. After 9-11, things felt even more hazardous at work. People were angry and spewing negative remarks about immigrants, and Muslims in particular. Reis Buyan fit the profile. One of those who was extremely angry was white supremacist Mark Stroman, just released from prison. Repeatedly watching the World Trade Center towers fall, he became thoroughly enraged and started spotting drivers he thought looked Middle Eastern, and running them off the road with his truck. On 9-15, Mark Stroman got his gun and shot and killed a Pakistani man in a convenience store and left the scene. A few days later, he entered the gas station where Race Buya worked. Race saw the gun as Mark Stroman approached and assumed from experience it was a robbery. Race put the money on the counter and offered it to Stroman, 
who only said in reply, Where are you from? Without waiting for an answer, he shot Race Buyan in the head. Race heard himself calling for his mother, and then fearful that were he not dead, he would be shot again. Race let himself drop to the floor. When Stroman finally left, after standing and watching Race bleed, Race ran next door and cried, please call 911. In the ambulance, Race was sure he was dying and started to recite the verses he knew by heart from the Quran. Race survived, and as he was recovering, the police continued to look for Mark Stroman. On October 5th, Stroman struck again, killing another convenience store clerk. Dallas police tracked him down the next day. As he tried to run, officers said he was laughing and crying at the same time. The prosecution against Mark Stroman pushed for and got the death penalty by lethal injection for capital murder during a robbery. Mark Stroman spent most of the next two years alone in his personal Babylon, a jail cell, until a documentary filmmaker, Elon Ziv, was, after many requests, finally allowed to see him. Ilan Ziv describes Mark Stroman not as the cold, pathological murderer he had expected, but a vulnerable mess. Stroman claimed with seeming honesty that he spent most of his time recalling the past in regret, feeling haunted by it and unable to explain it. Mark Stroman, the prisoner, and Elon Ziv, the filmmaker, spoke of many things, life and death and everything in between. They developed the habit of writing each other letters over the years. Elon came to think that 9-11 had triggered all the rage that was already in Mark Stroman. Mark agreed but also acknowledged that his hate of the Muslim world after 9-11, like that, he thought, of many Americans, was real. Reis Bouillon, meanwhile, was finally getting his life back on track. He got a job in IT, a car, and became ever more reliant on his faith. Prompted by his mother, and inspired by a pilgrimage to Mecca, he determined to stop carrying his victimhood and thoughts of revenge and to forgive and move forward. He recalled a verse of the Quran that says, saving a life is like saving all of humankind and taking one is like taking all. He decided that while forgiving made him, race, feel better, it did nothing for Mark Stroman, who was soon to be executed. Race started a campaign to lower Mark's punishment and save Mark's life. When Mark Stroman heard about race's campaign, he was stunned. 
and decided to write a letter to the victims. In part it read, My stepfather taught me some lessons that I should never have learned. I have unlearned some of them, and I am still working on some of them. I don't know who your parents were, but it is obvious they are wonderful people. To lead you to act this way towards someone you have every right to hate. Mark Stroman was complicated, and we cannot know his heart and mind. But Ilan Ziv, the filmmaker, thought the way Mark talked about his crime and his redemption that he had been through a transformation. Race failed to save Mark's life, and on the day Mark was to be executed, on July 20, 2011, Ilan Ziv arranged for a conversation between Race and Mark, who had never spoken beyond the day of the shooting. Race said, Mark, know for sure that I forgive you and I never hated you. And Mark replied, thank you. I never expected this from you. I love you, bro. At that word, bro, Race's tears began to flow. And he saw that Mark, who had thought him better off dead, was after 10 years able, finally, to see Race as a human being whom he loved. Many difficult things were in the relational mix in this story. Racism, revenge, mental health, hate, hope, and fear. Yet somehow these two men got to a forgiveness and love. Justice extended beyond the court's ability to redemption and restoration. Like the verse in the Quran, and even though Mark Stroman died, race and Mark somehow saved each other, and so, in a mysterious way, the world. And maybe this is why Luke framed his story in prayer. God's justice flows through people who are in communion with God. It was race's deep dive into his faith that led him on this path through hurt and pain to forgiveness and reconciliation, a saving grace. So it was with Jesus. The Gospel of Luke paints a picture of a faithful Jesus walking the path of God's justice, sometimes critiquing, yes, but also forgiving, including, and healing or restoring, and always praying, staying connected to God. It is in Luke's Gospel that Jesus secure that God's justice will prevail, does not lash out when being dragged through the courts and sentenced to crucifixion. Jesus hangs on the cross, enduring those unspeakably horrible final hours, 
and speaks the words, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. So it can be with us. When we remain in communion with God through prayer, we open ourselves to God's restorative justice working through us in the hurt and pain in our own lives and in the lives of those we hold dear and in the lives of those marginalized in any way we seek to help. Jesus said that the spirit within us will do his work and more. God's justice of forgiveness, redemption, reconciliation, resurrection and restoration will prevail. And you are the vehicle of God's justice on earth. So don't lose heart, no matter what. Never, ever lose heart. Holy God, we ask you to live in us that we may be instruments of your loving and merciful justice for the transformation of each of us and the world to your design. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Thank you for joining us for Worship on the Go. To support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please consider making a contribution by clicking the Give button in the top right on our website, www.godsacre.org, or within today's email. God bless you, and have a wonderful week.